Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the miniatures gaming podcast. So on the last episode, we were trying to do a comparison of cyberpunk versus the grimdark. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot to go over with all the different parts of culture, books, movies, and of course, miniature games that fit into that. Mm-hmm. And we managed to get through the cyberpunk part, but yeah. the grimdark was a whole other world that we needed to do a continuation for. Yes, there's apparently too much to talk about with cyberpunk, so we just could not fit it all in, into uh, one day. Yeah, so, so I, I think to make a quick summarization, the cyberpunk is basically a future that's more like a projection of our world, but everybody ends up having their lives entangled in technology and corporations end up gaining large amounts of power, which then creates an mm-hmm. underclass that has kind of a punk feel to it, but everything is kind of overlaid with that like yeah. technology. Yeah, it's like a projection from the 80s of 50 years into the future where, where corporations control everything. And because of that, the punk aesthetic has, well, I guess technically in the world, the punks are not necessarily that important, but the cyberpunk genre is about the punks in that world. So it takes a lot from punk, uh, the punk, um, I guess, movement. Yeah. So Whereas Grimdark. The Grimdark is, I guess because we're talking about miniature games, it's in the future or in the grim darkness of the future, there is only war. Yes, so grim dark actually the term uh, now means like like cyberpunk, right? It's it it has a, a birth uh, from one place, but it has spread to mean uh, to to describe all sorts of settings, right? And actually, the reason why you know we're talking about grim dark and, and why this comes up is because the originator of the term grim dark is from miniature gaming. It is Warhammer forty thousand. Yeah, that's why we're kind of interested in it. I think. 40K is yep. a embodiment of the whole post-apocalyptic grimdark future. Yep. And so today, because, you know, we spent an entire episode about cyberpunk, we're going to be talking about grimdark today. And if we have time, which maybe we won't, we will try and compare and contrast cyberpunk and grimdark. Well, well, we might have to end up going into a third episode. We'll see how it goes. Well, because we've already kind of talked about the cyberpunk, I think as we mm-hmm. go through different aspects of the grimdark, we can then just refer back to what we talked about before. So, or do you want to just focus on on grimdark in we'll, general? We'll start, off, we'll start off with the grimdark in general. So, there, I think the essence. Of I it, say spread it out to three episodes. Oh. You had a full one on cyberpunk. You're saying you can't have a full episode on grimdark. Well, we've never done two parters before, so going right to three just seems like jumping. Yeah, it's like trilogy, like, right? Everyone loves trilogies. They're usually better than sequels. Anyway. Yeah. So obviously there's the whole post-apocalyptic element to it mm-hmm. and future element to it, but sort of a lot of when you talk about post-apocalyptic and when we think about post-apocalyptic in pop culture and like most depictions of it, it's usually like you think of survivors in current movies, like where there's only the last few people surviving the apocalypse, but I don't see the grim dark world being the post-apocalyptic like pocket of survivors. I see it as like a rebirth of something out of the ashes of the old. Hmm. Where there was one, like civilization. I don't team. know if that, I don't know if that, that is what I would classify as a grim, dark 
as quintessentially grimdark. I don't even know that it needs to be post-apocalyptic. I think the <clears throat> post-apocalypse lends itself very well to the grimdark genre. But mm. I think when we think about grimdark, right? Like the, exactly what you said, the, the term comes from, you know, in the grim darkness of the future, there is only war, yeah, right? That kind so of it is a past better yeah. time. Yeah, a fallen time, but th there's no rebirth. I don't know if there's if, if we could say there has to be a rebirth. I think well, um, there is you. some sort of contrast, but to me, I guess the same way I think about cyberpunk and we talked about the themes being really important, the punk aspect of cyberpunk. Yeah. I feel like what really drives and makes Grimdark Grimdark is the themes in the grim darkness, right? Like, do you think that there can be, like when we, we start going through, uh, I think we'll we'll talk about uh, our examples. We've already said Warhammer 40,000, uh, but there are many grimdark examples that are, I think, set in modern day. But it's a, I, you could argue that, you know, that it, it, it modifies modern day to be some sort of post-apocalyptic world, but it's not necessarily, you could argue that it's just um, a really dour uh, outlook on whatever the world is. Yeah, I guess one of the more important parts could be that basically the entire society, instead of in cyberpunk being focused around like the tech, well, we, don't, we can ignore that for now, but the society is basically focused around waging war. I think that is specifically for... Um, the 40k and and the um in miniatures grimdark is generally waging war but i think that has more to do with the birth or of the genre in general like oh, sorry of the game in general than yeah. it does with the idea of grimdark right because you look at it um you look at something like a high fantasy version right like um uh warhammer fantasy right or or um <clears throat> uh, battles for middle earth or war machine right those are not grim dark worlds nope. but they are all focused on like a world at war mm -hmm. right so to me what makes a grim dark grim dark is and i think this is you see it a lot in in, in what people would label as grim dark in non-war games and outside of the miniature thing is the um the themes of basically <laughs> the overarching theme is not heroism right it's not uh, overcoming the odds. It's grim darkness. It's like sucking out all of like, I think to me, one of the, the, the important parts about Grimdark is that there are no heroes, right? Yeah. There's, no, there's, there's no heroes and there is no hope. I think are the two, if I were to define it, the two most important aspects of grimdark and then there's like a lot of things that go around that but to me that's why 40k was you know that's that's what that that line sums up right even though you know in fantasy world you could say oh in the world of high fantasy there are heroes mythic heroic battles right is what you think about it as warhammer but the grim darkness of the future there's only war they didn't mention heroes right? It's dark, it's dour, it's there's the, if you look at the world, right, of 40k, there are technically heroes, but they are heroes because they kill good. 
not, not because they're heroic, right? Like the 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 setting. Noble goals. Yes, there's no noble goals, right? Mm-hmm. And if I were to look at you know the other things that people were considered grimdark, especially stories that like people that don't even play 40k or don't even know about it will consider things grimdark even when there are no war, when there is no war, when it's not a post-apocalyptic. If everyone is basically an asshole and there are no heroes and there is no hope, right? Then that becomes a grimdark story. Yep. So at least that's the way I, I, I think about it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like one way if you see the world as like a fallen world and that's why everybody's just sort of fighting for survival, not being aspirational is that like if society. Yeah, I agree. It kind of has to be a fallen world, right? Yeah. Because they're still ascending and still developing technology. There would still be that aspirational element there. Yeah. I see it as that there was basically the technology. Like if you want to see it from just a technological lens, it's a good way of contrasting it with the cyberpunk is the technology rose and then at some point there was a fall and they no longer started progressing technology. And now often in the grim dark setting, the technology will more be like remnants of what was left and people can still mm-hmm. possibly produce it, but they don't really understand what they're doing. It's more mm-hmm. like the cult that often forms around technology. Yeah. It's, it's not a science anymore. It's now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important in the way you think about it, 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 it again, like lends itself to the theme because when you think about technology, although it's somewhat the same thing, like we talked about cyberpunk, right? Um, Technology is innovation and innovation gives uh, is change and change gives you hope for things becoming better in the future. So we talked about cyberpunk, even though it's dystopia, you see the heroes, right? There are technically still heroes, although they're generally really gray in cyberpunk, but they are struggling with, like we said, right? One of the the key things about cyberpunk is that they had technology that the heroes, the good guys embrace the technology and try to use that and live in that world to, you know, fight against the man, right? Whereas when you look at uh, uh, Grimdark, if you have the ability, the heroes are innovating technology and trying to improve, like, I guess they are always, they can try to improve a lot, but to, to make sure that there's no hope and, the, and there's this overall dour kind of, I don't know, like eternal sadness. Mm-hmm. You can't have the idea that technology will save you. Nope. It's, you just have to right? fight. It's your almost, way. yeah. It's almost like feudal struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I guess in the 40K setting, we talked about Necromunda is also a good example where yeah. instead of having the whole universe. Well, we haven't talked about it yet. We talked about it before the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, what's, so let, let's let's describe a little bit. But you don't necessarily you mentioned, have, sorry, yep. You can have different scales of war. Like it doesn't have, Warhammer 40K is the whole universe on a galactic scale being mm-hmm. at war and most of the civilization. Galaxy on a galactic scale. And even, and the whole thing of the galaxy peaked a long time ago. Uh-huh. And most races are fallen and having the galactic war. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like on that scale, even in like a game like Necromunda, <clears throat> they live in giant cities, which uh-huh. are they call hive cities. It, al- it almost makes it more grim dark because like on a on a galaxy wide scale, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the emp- empire or the what is oh shoot. Are we talking Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. The we can what do you call it again? The, the, the humans, 
the Imperium. The Imperium sorry, man. man, I had a brain fart. Apparently, I drank too much already. Uh, so yeah, so the Imperium of Man uh, has, you know, they have a lot of might and strength, and you could you could argue that there is some sort of hope on a uh, civilizational scale, but when you br- break it down all the way to Necromunda. Now Necromunda is, so the Imperium of Man is this fallen bloated corpse of a, of a civilization of humanity in the galaxy, right? And you could say that they have enough power if they, if they all got their act together to, um, you know, have some sort of good future, but it's such a fallen, fallen civilization, right? There's no hope, there's no, there's all just hate and anger and war that there's no ability to bring everything together to make uh, good change, right? So they're still dystopian and they still have those themes. But when you break it down to like the teeming masses of like one planet and one city and one planet, that is all they're, they're there for is to make munitions for the greater war effort, right? Yeah, within that and, city, there's different factions. Yes. Around the and, roles in the cities. So you break it down to these individual cogs in machine. They have no way to affect any change on who they are in the world, right? The, even their city and their, their, even their city is beholden to what the galaxy or, or the, the war machine of the uh, Pyramid of Man uh, forces on them. If they don't make it, then the Pyramid of Man will just crush them for, for parts and move on, right? But then you break it down to the cog of the cog, right? This is like, just like, some little bit part where you're just a struggling like team of people who are fighting over the scraps in this in this industrial city they're not even important to the work of the city they're just trying to survive right and they have no ability to to make any kind of greater change on this dystopian terrible world yeah, so they're living in grimdark at an individual level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's now like no hope whatsoever. There's not even like you know the galaxy, uh, the the Imperium level. There's like oh well, if if somehow you got the right people up in charge, maybe you know you could slowly change and, and implement things to change the entire of Imperium. These are like in Necromunda. You're talking about just like the people on the ground. They have no. They're not important people. They're not on an important planet. Exactly. And they have no say of what anything goes. They're so far removed. They have no way to change the galaxy. So it's like even more hopeless. And yet, even in their small piece of the of their of of being a cog, they're still fighting deathly, like tooth and nail, like deathly battles against other people, other cogs just like them, who have no hope for any kind of change in the future. Yep. Systemically. So like that to me. That is like no hope, grimness, darkness. The best you can and hope for is that you uh, you can kill a uh, kill kill a few guys and survive one more day. It's like the best you could hope for. Mm-hmm. So I think so that so the GW whole aesthetic they had lots of art that really kind of embodied that back when the game came out, and like the early '80s had a lot of that art. I think that's where most of it came from that had a very heavy metal feel to it. Yeah. And I think that music, like the whole, the whole heavy metal music thing, uh-huh. really sort of informs that genre as well, where we talked about with cyberpunk, that you think a lot about like synth instruments and futuristic sounds, but mm-hmm. the sort of sound you associate with the grimdark is that like 
heavy metal rock. Yeah. It's interesting that almost certainly the themes like of both Grimdark and Cyberpunk are in so many ways similar. Like Grimdark, we said, is from 40K, right? Warhammer 40K. Warhammer 40K came from uh, England. Punks, like we said, the punk movement originated in England, right? So uh, it's interesting that, you know, they are so close, even though, like you said, the type of rock music that you would associate with Grimdark is heavy metal, not punk, right? Punk is a lot more down to earth, like garage band, kind of more raw, right? Yeah, more more just like regular clothes, but something weird about them. Whereas heavy metal clothes, they're putting spikes <laughs> on them. They're putting skulls on their clothing. No, I think punks have spikes. There's lots of spikes. Yeah, they do too. Shit. But like, I, I, I feel like the, if you think about the music, it is you know, heavy metal and punk. Punk is more like garage band kind of anti-establishment, mm-hmm. like um, almost just like anti, it's like DIY, right? Yeah. Has a very DIY kind of raw kind of, uh, you know, anyone picks up an instrument and plays it kind of, you know, uh, uh, airs where, where the energy is about, you know, just the people going for it, right? And then heavy metal, I feel like, is all about making the basically the biggest sounds possible. Although, again, it's not. I think it's a sister, you know, a sister genre, right? In in terms of music, it's about making the you know the biggest sounds possible with your. I guess it's technically still a garage band, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in general, but uh, so I, I guess I guess you, I, I feel like the genres are probably pretty close. Yeah, I guess punk's got a bit more dissatisfaction to what's going on behind it, and then it's a the, little bit more hopeful. Yeah, heavy metal just lets you <laughs> rage. Heavy metal just be rage, which is the sounds that from the guitar sounds like the screaming and the singing. I don't know if it's rage. No. No, I think punk is more rage. It's more anger, right? Um, but so the thing is, for you to be angry. Uh, you have to think that things are almost unfair and you want, you're fighting for change. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you talk about just like big sounds, it's almost like embodying the idea of imbo- like, like giving in to the darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas punk is like raging against the darkness. I feel like heavy metal is more like I am the darkness, darkness. right? I am death, right? <laughs> I am I am death and murder and and whatever darkness. Whereas punk is like you know f you f f f everything whatever we're gonna go and you know fight. Yeah, so you think of a metal band like oh yeah they could totally put on war paint t- to perform. It's like that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So and like a lot of themes of heavy metal like even talk about like. Oh, these cr- this crazy battle or whatever. Just there's sort of actually like a bit of nerdiness to a lot of heavy metal music. <laughs> I don't personally listen to it, but it's, often you hear like the lyrics of songs, like they're just talking yes. about like nerd wars. Yeah, I think I think basically, yeah, it is. There's a lot of it is really nerdy. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. There's a lot of, you know, it's 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 heavy metal is countercultural, right? It's not pop music. It's not what the like both of these genres, right? We're talking about music are although they got really popular at certain points of time, they were not the mainstream, right? Yep. At least their their track was not on the mainstream, even if they touched the mainstream, right? They dipped in there every once in a while, right? So um, 
So yeah, so I think I think that's almost like a good way. Like when we talk about punk music and heavy metal, that's almost I don't know if that's exactly the the same thing when you map it onto Grimdark, but that's a good difference where you're talking about cyberpunk in terms of themes, fighting, raging against the darkness, whether it's feudal, there's almost like a catharsis from fighting, even if you know there is no hope in the end, there is almost a catharsis for trying anyways. Um, and then for Grimdark, it's just like giving into the darkness. <laughs> this yep. was like accepting that the world is dark and terrible and whatever, and just going with it, right? There's no more fighting against the, the wars of the future or whatever. It's just saying, yes, and I'm going to embody it and I'm going to do this, right? You look at the Imperium of Man and Warhammer 40,000, which we, we keep on talking about as the, the quintessential or at least the originating group darkness, um, is that there, one of the big things is that there are no heroes, right? Ostensibly, you'd think the humans are heroes, right? And, and technically, they don't implicitly say that all, all of the people are bad, but they're, they're poster boys, space marines. They almost basically say they're bad. Like, until this crappy retconning of recently, um, the, the space marines, which are these like super genetic humans, right, who give supposedly give up their humanity to be humanity's greatest warriors, um, they're often shown as being aloof assholes, right? They're dedicated to war. They take war as like with religious zeal and they will purge cities regardless of, of innocence uh, to win their wars, right? Mm -hmm. Now, they, they don't even really treat, they have no empathy, right? They have, these are supposedly the heroes, the mainstay, the, per, the poster boys of your setting, and they have no empathy. Nope, they're, they're And in, they're just about winning. Nope, they're just wrapped up in war because- yeah. yeah, their greatness is the fact that they're the greatest warriors, not that they're like the greatest people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I guess you could say they're better than like the chaos space marines, which are like the evil version. But it's more like uh, the like space marines are bad and like the chaos are even worse because like the chaos, chaos is like uh, people they want, that they want suffering and not just control. Yes, exactly. So so the space marines basically almost don't care about suffering. It, mm -hmm. It's indifferent as long as they they have control and win. Whereas the the chaos space marines truly don't just want to win; they want suffering and pain, right? Actually, when you think about it, some of the Chaos Space Marines are pretty punk in the setting. Oh, how, the, how they're rebelling? <coughs> the yeah, technically, the Chaos rebelling. Space Marines are fallen Space Marines who rebel against the Imperium of Man. Mm -hmm. They're not all just like, you know, just homicidal maniacs, although a lot of them are. Yeah, they, that I guess is what happens when you just embrace Chaos for too long. Anyway. Yeah, so I don't know. That's that to me is like, you know, the I think it's important for the setting to like for the grimdark setting that there are no heroes. There are protagonists, but the protagonists are not heroes. They are bad people. Uh, you're not supposed to. You might empathize with them, but you're not supposed to think that they're good. If so, you do, at least for forty k, if you do your you're just a little bit messed up because 
literally the Space Marines Imperium of Man was supposed to be satire. And again, excuse me, like we talked about cyberpunk coming from, you know, the, the Reaganite Thatcher era, literally Grimdark comes from that era, right? The eighties with Thatcher and a lot of the artists, right? Of which, you know, Grimdark, the, these people who are creating things are, is a, is a, um, a lot of it was a statement against the government, which they felt was, you know, becoming omnipresent and controlling. And actually, the Pyramid of Man is supposed to be a satire of that. Yep, of the of the crushing the people to get your goal. <clears throat> yeah, and I don't know. I, that's just one thing. I'm just throwing that in there. Like, if you think that the Pyramid of Man is good, actually, get off 4chan. You need to unplug. You need to like hang out with better people for a little while. <laughs> Something is going wrong in your brain. Yep. You are losing hope. You're basically losing all hope. That's the thing. Even if you try and say the Ultramarines are better and nicer than the other ones, you're still. Yeah. Yeah. And though, although to be fair, there, there was this rebranding exercise uh, in 40 K with recently that is actually moving away from Grimdark, but let's get to that afterwards. Let's, let's go through a little bit, a few more uh, examples of Grimdark. So we have, you know, we've, we've mentioned obviously 40 K <laughs> the originator, but what are some other examples of Grimdark? Do you want to go through miniature games or do you want to move towards movies like we did with uh, cyberpunk? Yeah, let's, let's do movies and then miniature, but, whatever. Okay. I think the easiest one, as we were saying with like the evolution of the technology to make movies, that bringing these realities to life lately has become much easier. Like back in the early eighties, they had the ideas, they had the books, but now we can actually do the movies. I think from the last few years, one of the best examples might be Mad Max. Yes. Well, there's a little bit of hope in Mad Max, but yes, in general, yes. Yeah. But you've got your factions that are remnants of the the previous world and they've got their technology, which is all these cars, but they're not using the cars in the way they're meant to have been used. They've kind of taken yes. our religion around the cars yeah. and they know what they know how to maintain them, but not as like, not a theory or not yes. you maintain. And, you, and the entire theme is like this dying world, right? These people are fighting over water. Well, it's almost like the uh, world and there's water. almost no hope. And they're like, there's, there's almost no hope. We're talking about, do we want to do spoilers or we want to just talk about the old movie? So no one cares about the spoilers. Well, we can just talk about it in generalities. Like, don't okay. just say how it concluded. But I think they're, I wouldn't call it a survivor movie because it seems like their population is stabilized. Like something terrible happened and everybody died. But at that point, their population is kind of stable, but they're all basically a bunch of roaming war bands. And they're- and I they're, don't think they are stable. No? I think they are on a slow and steady decline. Okay. I think is the theme of Mad Max, right? Is that yeah, you have out. these surviving people who are slowly dying out, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not, you're right. It's somewhat stable as in like, there's not gonna, they're not all gonna die from a, a big drought tomorrow. It's, it's not 28 days later. Yeah. Uh, 28 days later is 28 days after everybody died. Yeah, okay, yeah. But it is, it is like, it almost feels like an inevitable, like inevitable that everyone or at least most people will die, right? Mm-hmm. That are still fighting, and you see the kind of collapse and and these people struggling in the world. Now, uh, I do agree. Like the general setting is so dark and dour, and even though there's a hero, uh, the 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 hope in that story is like threadbare, right? Yeah, and it's almost 
it almost makes sense if the hero just dies and fails in the end because of how appropriate it would be for the setting, which makes it so grimdark. It's like you almost are expecting it to have a really sad ending and that any last vestige of hope is crushed from you at the end of the story. That's what you, you kind of expect. Whether or not that happens for whichever version, you know, you got to watch the movie to find out. But yeah. yeah, I wouldn't say the movie's based around hope. It's based around sort of just the survival in, in, in uh, a world of darkness, of grim darkness. <laughs> yeah, and just presenting how crazy the world can become when, when yeah. everything is just centered around like war. Yeah. And, and no one is even thinking about the future, about hope, about making things better. Oh, and, and if they are, they quickly get snuffed <laughs> out. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> they are considered in many points foolish for thinking about, you know, a better, hoping for a better time in the future. Yeah. If they're, if they're thinking right. idealistically, they just get laughed at. And also yeah. the heavy metal aspect of it's very cool. Oh, no. Yeah. By the way, Mad Max Fury Road, amazing movie. You should watch it. One of the best movies of the, the 21st century so far. Yep. I'd, I'd say it's so. top five, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Not even top 10. Well, not only top 10, top five, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. If you like action movies, that's... Sweet. Yeah, I think it's almost perfect. Um, like, it again, you know, it, it has a very specific thing it's trying to say. And that's how I read movies, right? If it, if it does exactly what it's trying to do on the tin, right? If it's successful. And I think Mad Max Fury Road does almost every single thing it's trying to do. And is, it is a standalone movie, so you don't have the stupid, like genre or like like what do you call it history that you have to pick up on no it works so good there's just a couple of things that broke it for me that otherwise it'd almost be perfect um they weren't quite as worried about tying it into other movies yeah i'm totally fine i like that better actually the things that annoy me is like a lot of these just a tangent about sequelitis on movies um like i like superheroes i grew up reading lots of comics i still occasionally dip into the dip into the um into that pool but the thing i hate most about the new like that i used that i started out loving with superhero movies and now hate is the crossovers because it it, it has introduced canon and like history and i grew up reading comic books and every single comic book i read almost to a t if it was about superheroes was ruined by crossovers because you'd have this great story going on, on your comic book, right? Let's let's say you're, you're reading X-Men and then it would have a stupid crossover with Avengers that there's just be like two or three issues that have nothing to do with the story and plot building that the, that the book has been going on. So now you have to like see how the Avengers and the X-Men did this entirely different story, right? Interrupting your thing. And then it suddenly intertwines, disrupts everything, makes the story so much more convoluted. Uh, and it messes up the art. If you like, if you're following X-Men and you want to follow the Avengers story and you switch over to, you have to finish the story in the Avengers comic you're reading someone, another writer and another artist doing that portion of the story. And it's just so jarring. It's like, it's totally anti-art. It's totally consumerism and trying to just pull at your heartstrings and pull to get you to buy more comics. It's terrible. It's marketing, sorry, not, not, not heartstrings. It's like, it's, it's marketing to get you to buy more things. And it totally worked on me. And it made me for a while until it didn't. And then I stopped reading those comic books. Well, so, well it'll happen with movies, mark my words. 
It will. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with Marvel. I think people just It'll like, happen. People pick there will be fatigue. There will be fatigue. Extended universe. I don't think most you people can't. Actually... You will start being like it'll start being like in uh, Star Wars number eight, where Yoda shows up, and if you did not know who Yoda is, the scene would not make any sense whatsoever. The movies don't actually make any sense for the most part. Yeah, to be fair, the entire eight was a mess, right? But like that scene, you're like, who is this green alien? Why is he talking to this person? Like like the the, the person we thought was the old wise person, mm-hmm. but he has another old wise person who can shoot lightning and call down lightning. Why doesn't that guy go fight the empire and solve everything? Yeah, I don't know. In fact, the fact that he can shoot lightning, even if you know who Yoda is, puts a lot of questions <laughs> on the entire... <laughs> Mm-hmm. in general it's just, uh, whatever anyways let's talk about that we've, we've complained about that many times yeah. before so on the um, note yep so you know what's a grim dark future uh the star wars universe i would say the star wars they're no, 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 no no sorry the star wars franchise oh yeah yeah they they what they've done to <laughs> us they <laughs> live in the grim darkness yes the future are destroyed Yes. No, no. To be fair, the Bad Batch might be okay, but we'll get back on. Yeah, the yeah. Okay, sure. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. And I know I get they're it. They're the the Mandalorian has given some sort of hope, but I don't know. Overall, I'm, I'm very skeptical. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to actually the topic, um, grim dark. Um, so there's so to bring up other movie universes, Star Trek. So Star Trek, I might say, actually has grim dark elements. No way! It's the opposite. It's the opposite of grimdark. No, the Federation is not grimdark. But when you look at the other people and their civilizations, like you look at the Klingons, the Romulans... No, I disagree. I disagree heavily. You want to know why? Because the Federation is there and the entire story Mm -hmm. is predicated on the light of the Federation going to the civilizations that you would think are dark, which... that have that are are threatened have, to be you can say consumed by darkness, darkness. Mm-hmm. and then they go in and save them. Mm-hmm. So that would maybe and so they're, they're, yeah. So there's basically pockets of the grim darkness in that universe. I think the entire theme, the though, the, the fact that the the entire theme is against grim darkness. I don't even think that's necessarily true on the Romulans and the, the Klingons. One of the great themes about that story is that it seems like they are these, you know. Um, uh, alien terrible enemies and then the the federation through talking and working mm-hmm. and and working with them and and through slow uh diplomatic kind of movements are able to bring them onto their side and realize that actually the stereotype that they saw was not true like the initial belief that they are just a dark evil empire is not true and actually they're they're just different right Mm -hmm. and you can see that in the change of the klingons right the klingons are started out as just basically it's basically a cold war analog right uh and then well and they even within themselves they have they have huge amounts of infighting yeah they they almost have the necromunda thing going on within themselves to an extent. It's but not you as bad. look at what happens when they flesh out the Klingons. The more they get to know the Klingons, 
the more they come to respect many of the things in the Klingon Empire, right? Yes, they're they're a warrior society. Yes, they they believe in strength, but they're also noble, right? They they believe in uh, uh, much more in they they do believe in justice and truth, right? What their truth is different, right? Because it's framed in this war society, but they are noble and they are not a scheming, lying society that would, you know, destroy itself for no reason. They just have these ideals that they believe in, right? And sometimes it causes, you know, initially causes all these conflicts. And I think the reason why they do that, I don't know, maybe I'm putting, you know, a, a layer of, uh, what do you call it? Um, good, I, I don't know, happiness or, or, or whatever, a, a shiny layer, uh, sorry. Just looking at it in a positive aspect. Um, but the idea, I think, is to basically show a possibility for America to work with the Soviet Union and not end the world in nuclear destruction, but realize that, you know, they're different, but you can get along, right? So I think that the entire themes are not grim dark. And I think that the entire reflection of, of, federations looking at them as grim dark and evil is supposed to be incomplete and i think that is tied in heavily to the themes now that's my understanding because you know gene roddenberry was a hippie and and you know wanted to give you know peace a chance and the entire idea of star trek is to be non-dystopian and actually be you know hopeful right Yep, but they have to show some sort of dystopian aspect for them to have something to push against. I don't think it's not it's dystopian though, right? I think it's well, just like some things well, that well, some some conflict that you need to overcome, right? Dystopian is not just like uh is just some bad stuff, right? It's, you don't you don't call like oh the fact that uh the phone the phone bill in Canada costs like so much more than the rest of the world dystopian. Mm-hmm. That's, Maybe you do, but like, but you know, that's just a bad thing that we need to, you know, overcome and fix, right? It's not a dystopian kind of thing. The dystopian thing is heavily about, you know, a collapsed society, about a, a society-wide, uh, you know, crumbled society that is not, that is dysfunctional. Yep. And I don't think that's what they're trying, they were trying to do with it. Oh, no, not, not what they were trying to do with it, but from like the perspectives, like some parts of the Federation I think the person would see those other civilizations as being wrapped up in like a dystopian yeah. world and they have to be fearful of them. Yeah. But so I feel shows... like the themes of the entire story is no, not talking about, that. not talking about the theme of the whole story, mm-hmm. but of like the perspectives of the people within the story. Yeah. When they look at each other, they see the outsiders as living in that yeah. sort of civilization, but then the story builds that they're, that they are actually yeah, they're, not, like, that's just the well they're not they're, yeah there's they're not they're more gray i guess you could say the federation is entirely not entirely good but mostly good right mm-hmm. and then the other ones are like gray <laughs> they're good and bad and then i guess the the vulcans are actually basically perfect they're they're like all good mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't it feel like that way how they do it like the vulcans do they ever do anything bad only if they don't train themselves properly this you know and then they become romulans (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they run off to hang out with their the romulans yeah 
Sounds like Dark Elden. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Um, hmm. Are Vulcans just elves in space? That, that they have pointy... Oh, my God. I didn't think about that. Wow. This, I'm the last man to the party, apparently. I didn't realize that. Is the whole thing just fantasy? Anyways, we'll get, we can deal with that. Okay. Other point. We don't have All right. Time. All right, the one the the one that I wanted to mention um, for movies and also comics is Sin City. So that's like this is that falls under like the film noir category. <clears throat> yeah, and it is grimdark. It is, I think, in terms of media, that is a grimdark story. That is, um, you look at any character, although it's set in, uh, I guess, relatively modern day. Um, they're not, no character is good. Everything you see is bad. There's no idea of hope. All of the main characters are basically assholes who just happen to be, uh, it's almost like they're doing the last thing good about themselves till they die. The only good people are victims, right? The good people are victims and prey. And then the heroes are heroes because even though they're bad people, they like a good person. And so they will die saving that person by killing all the other worst people. They, they do something good for their group. Like their clan. Yes. They're, like a, they're a hero of their clan. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. And then the good people, like, is it like, they're all tinged in some, like they're all damaged and tinged. even the good people, while they might be good people, there is, the good people are not hopeful. <laughs> Even though they're good people, they're not like hopeful people. They're just good people. They're, they're like, you look at it in a normal dystopian story, the people who are struggling against the thing, but being good people. And then, the, but they're not even the protagonists. They're just the innocence that the hero protagonist, gray, super gray, probably actually just bad guy, right? Is, is, the main character and he's going out and because he he decides this one just this one time to help that one innocent person or a couple of innocent people just this one time he's a good person yeah by killing the even worse people <clears throat> yeah i think of that <clears throat> i think before the first show i looked up more about the difference in film noir and what i would have thought the difference is but anyhow it's fine i'm not that big of a film buff to, to want to differentiate film noir from Grim dark. Obviously, I like, think it is grim dark. I think you you would. Oh, that would particular remember. movie, yeah, I would say is grim yeah. dark. It's all about the factions. It's just the setting happens. Evil. There's no good. There's no idea of even there being a good side. All of the like, it's it's everyone is an asshole and shit all up and down the 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 ladder, uh, up and down the power scale. Right. Sometimes they go and fight the big, you know, powerful people, and they're assholes. Middle level, they're assholes. Everything is just. Yeah, it's a film noir, but it's not like your traditional film noir. Noir that's like a detective mystery sort of thing. It's basically like more all out war than a detective trying to like find some evil mastermind. Yep. No hope. Again, you mm -hmm. see those themes, right? There's no hope. There's just conflict. The people are bad. That's that's the kind of thing. Um, yep. So. I guess in Firefly, you could kind of almost see the revenants 
Well, maybe Revenants are more like zombies. So in my opinion, yeah, in my opinion, I don't think you can take a story and, and classify a portion as grimdark. That's a, that's what I'm saying, right? I think mm-hmm. a grimdark, just like cyberpunk, right, is the themes about the whole story about the story. So mm-hmm. cyberpunk is set in a world, but it's focused on the punk aspects of that world, right? The world doesn't have to be entirely cyberpunk. But when you talk about cyberpunk, it's talking about the portion of the world that is central punk. Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you talk about grimdark, if the central story is not about the grim darkness, even if there's a, you could say, like you said, like there's there could be a greater world, and there's a portion of the world that is grim dark, and I guess you could say Sin City is the kind of thing. Um, if you're focusing on the grim dark part, then it has that's the theme and that's the story and that's the thing that has to mm-hmm. pervade it for it to be grim dark even if it's set in a world that is argues that there's another portion that is not grim dark mm-hmm. it's just very rare when you see grim dark like if you have a part portion of your world that you talk about that is not grim dark it almost breaks the grim dark theme because it gives hope to the people that they could somehow escape into the better place unless you're saying there's no hope to escape to the better place, mm-hmm. right? Like you can eliminate all hope, in which case maybe the grimdark becomes even darker because it almost becomes so much more unfair that there's another place in the galaxy or, or world that it, that could be hopeful, but you will never, ever get there. Yep. Which may, maybe it makes it even darker, so. Yeah, it all depends on the, the themes of the story. All right. So I'm surprised I can't name more movies, but realistically, I guess people aren't, the movies about all out war I guess, mm-hmm. don't present like most people might want more of an aspirational yeah. idea to their they want more of like the hero story and the mm-hmm. grim dark is not the hero story yeah yeah it's the protagonist story who is an asshole and not a hero yeah there's maybe i guess you don't have to be an asshole but you're definitely not supposed to be a hero for, for yeah. it to be grim dark there's no sort of the hero's journey, at least the hero comes back and manages to uh, like improve his people's lot. But in the grim dark. Yeah. And, and you're supposed to, yeah. And yeah, there's no, yeah, there's the, the if there's any change, it's negative at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's kind of, I think we've went through a bunch of, I think we mentioned enough, right? We mentioned a bunch of movies. I could mention a bunch of comics like, Dark Knight Returns, or, or yeah, the comics are less crap known. that Mark Miller creates. I really hate that guy, but like, um, you could we could mention them, but I think we have the the general idea, right? And there's also books and stuff like that that are set in grim dark worlds and video games and things like that. What makes uh, Grim Dark though uh, such a good setting for miniature games? Oh, it's great for miniature games because it, like, in a lot of games where you've got you wonder why the people are actually fighting each other. Like if they're all good. Yeah. Yeah. If they're all good or if they're even on the same side, whereas in the grim dark, it's like they're, yeah, you're fighting the same faction on the same faction. Oh, it still makes perfect sense. Fighting for power is at every level. Yeah. Subgroup. So, it, and that you break the normal problem of, one side having to be like if one side needs to be wants to be good then they have to be fighting someone who's evil but if both people want to be good then it it doesn't work in terms of a story and you can solve that by just saying everybody's evil (laughs) 
there's no good guys. What are you talking about? So like you can choose the guys that you like, right? And there might be good aspects, right? There might be, you know, that one space Marine who shed that one tear that one time for that one time, like his dog died. Uh, but in general, they're all okay with killing or fighting the fighting and killing the other person. Uh, and they're okay with fighting and killing their own people to keep them under control. It doesn't. Yeah, so it's a great conflict, right? A great, great way to explain conflict and a great way to not force people to have to pick up the evil bad guys, right? And and to be fair for, you know, like a game like uh, like uh, Middle Earth, right? Fantasy Battles or, or most fantasy kind of miniature games, at least historically, um, there's a lot of people that don't mind having the bad guy army uh actually especially as i've gotten older just playing the bad guys is fun right yeah like i'm the skeletons i'm playing cricks in war machine it's cool (laughs) this is fine yeah it's cool it's fun to be sometimes it's fun to be the bad guys because you know like you get to play up that that part of you that uh you don't you either you you don't want to play up in your normal life like the petty (laughs) the petty bad portion of you that's telling you you know how to do the bad thing right mm-hmm. uh or, or like oh some guy wronged you yeah like wrong him back right you you're trying to stop yourself doing that in general that de- in your general life and it's sometimes fun to like oh this is a video video game or whatever i'm just going to you know if someone has to play the bad guy i'll be the bad guy and i'll practice my like super evil bad guy laugh right so it's mm-hmm. it's not like it's impossible for other games but when everyone is bad like you don't even have to think about, oh, who's going to play the bad guy? Who's going to play the good guy, right? Mm-hmm. You you all generally end up in your view of who you are. Like you were talking before about, you know, it's all, all about framing, right? In your view of who you are when you're taking up your army, they think of themselves as good guys. But to everyone else and, and to us as onlookers, we see that everyone is actually just bad, right? At least relative to modern morals. Yep. Unless you're that guy who said that, you know, those, those few people who say that the Imperium of Man in Warhammer 40,000 did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. So now thinking about the miniature games again, I might almost say that Frostgrave is slightly grimdark in that you're all basically, you're all coming from the same perspective that you're greedy wizards trying to like gather things out of the okay. ashes of some former like technologically advanced civilization. So you've kind of got you the whole You definitely play it as grimdark. Mm-hmm. You could play it as you're just trying to like gain more knowledge, mm-hmm. but you don't. There, there, there can be hope. So, so, it, but you could definitely play the game by like the game works fine if you remove any sort of hope from the game. There's a little bit of trouble with the fact that you level up and you get more and more powerful, which intrinsically that's, that's has an personally. idea of hope and power. That's you personally, but, though. That's not you really helping your group. That's you just amassing your own personal power. That's true. And you still oh. treat all of your peons as expendable guys. They don't get XP. Yeah, because like we were talking about, like <laughs> when they die, you're not like, no, bury the knight. You're like, you're no, like, bury the knight's weapon. I gave you a plus two sword. Don't mm-hmm. die, sword. Mm-hmm. Just get wounded, please. I need to, yeah, I need to take away your weapon. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So in that aspect, you're really not helping your group. You're kind of just yeah. You could definitely play it as screen directing. Now, when I play it, I don't consider it that way, right? I I I I 
in my mind's eye, it is a much more hopeful place, but you're right. It's a world that was taken over and they're coming in and scavenging and taking up power to like fight each other in all these greedy ways. There is definitely a, an argument you could to be said that it, it can be grimdark if you said it that way. Yeah. But I, I don't play it that way either. Like I, I do attempt to take care of the war band and not just have them like yeah. mass use them as like worthless pawns. Yeah, I, I name my guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I actually do get upset when Barry, Barry the Knight dies. Um, I'm more upset for the sword, don't get me wrong, but I'm still also upset for Barry dying. Um, yeah, part. so yeah, so definitely you could, that, that is true, right? Like we're talking about the settings of, you know, removing hope, darkness, full, full on war, right? Grim darkness on, in war especially with a lot of games that are uh, more open, right? That give you a bunch of leeway on, on the setting. You, you can read or you can, you can insert as much hope and darkness, right? As you want in many ways. And so you can take, uh, because Frostgrave is so agnostic, although the setting has been filled up more uh, recently, you could take it in a grim dark path. And I don't think anyone would, would even blink an eye. In fact, it would literally be the frustrated setting. It's just, yeah, it was. It would work totally. You are within that world. Yeah, and how you frame your your battles, right? And how you frame your opponent. Yeah, and how your opponent plays up their character and whatever, right? I think we play it more as like a fun, almost like um, adventure story. At least that's the way I think about it more. Mm-hmm. Um, although you know, sometimes you accidentally kill kill the bad your your opponent wizards really you're just trying to kick them off and take the treasure right so it's not it's not as uh you know tooth and nail whatever as you would think of as, as a grim dark story right mm-hmm. um but yeah it definitely could be played that way all right so we said necromunda we said frostgrave can be uh yeah go on i was gonna ask if you had any other thoughts because oddly like as we said the universe the theme of a grimdark universe suits itself perfectly towards miniature games and like we've already talked on a lot of episodes about the skull aesthetic and like the, the hardcore like bloody giant knives spikes all over everything being a major aesthetic but oddly enough not not so many of the games actually feel like they're they're grimdark like a fantasy battle yeah. is not like grimdark they're yeah they're, i feel like a lot of them are not yeah it's not a lot of them are not in that fallen world, right? Like you're talking about that hopeless world. Um, I feel like the biggest thing, the reason why we think about Grimdark in miniature gaming is because 40k or have a 40,000 is the largest miniatures uh, tabletop game by far, and it casts a long shadow, right? Yep. So when people think about miniature gaming they think of warhammer 40,000 these days not even fantasy or historicals even though those those both those genres had much longer precedence right nowadays it's an orc with a gun fighting a space marine with a chainsword right mhm um but i will mention a couple more i think that it's not that they're not there they're you could say that they're, they're just not necessarily as popular um so there is uh, a game dark age uh it is a uh, a pop, it's a world set on, uh, sorry, it's a game set on a world that is basically dying, right? And basically all of the, the rest, it's basically all of the people with 
which means abandon the world because it's a dying world, right? They basically accidentally kill the world. And so all the rich people leave and the people on the left uh, left are in this post-apocalyptic dying world and they're fighting for the scraps, right? So it's kind of like you could say Mad Max kind of thing, but set in the kind of sci-fi future. Um, yeah, I took a look through the miniatures and they have sort of a, a fairly yeah, you, dark feel to them. Yeah, they're quite expensive, so I don't really... <laughs> Jumping into the game. They're, they're definitely during that period some of the nicest miniatures during that time. I think like about uh, versus modern miniatures, like you look at uh, Infinity, I don't think they necessarily uh, hold up as well, but they're still quite good miniatures. I would say overall during their heyday, they were better than Warhammer 40,000 at the time. Mm, that was um, nowadays, Warhammer 40,000 has stepped up their game, so I, I, I haven't really taken a good look. Um, uh, with modern modern aesthetics, but they definitely at the that Dark Ages heyday, which is probably like five ten years ago, maybe ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, they were they were quite good and and, and growing. Um, but like any grim dark world, the game also leaned too heavily in and started to wilt and die. <laughs> Got uh, too deep, yeah. and now when you try to play grim dark, play Dark Age. You will you'll be uh, uh, tr- uh, have trouble trying to find an opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kill each other off too well. All right. Yeah. Uh, and then another game, uh, a fantasy game. We talked about you know, like you said, fantasy. You'd think that it would be uh, easy, or there would be a lot of them because of how good that kind of setting is. Uh, is Darklands? Now we have. I haven't actually played this game. I technically haven't played Dark each other. Um, but Dark Darklands is like has these beautiful miniatures from Mirs. Yeah, from Mirs. It's called Darklands, right? It's called Dark I believe so. Dark Age. Yeah. No. <laughs> Darklands. There's a lot of dark going on out there. I knew I should have written this down. I literally said, "Okay, I'm writing all these down." <laughs> And then I did not. We got distracted talking about, I don't even remember. Darklands, you were correct. Yeah. So Darklands, uh, they have beautiful miniatures. Now, some of these monster miniatures are like some of the nicest miniatures that you can buy now. So yeah, if they're, you're, they're pretty big, so they're pretty expensive. Yeah, they're beautiful and they're well detailed. They look great, right? They're at the the, the size where like hand sculpting really, really works. Um, they're beautiful. Um, and that is a world that is super dark, you know, just by the name. You look yeah, at the things, yeah, like every cool. every force, every force of humans uh, allies with monsters. So no matter what kind of humans you take, you are not dicking around with being shiny and holy or something like that and only having angels on your side. No, every single force, if they want to survive in the world of Darklands, you need to recruit some monsters to help you like kill and eat your enemies. And you're, you're some form of barbarian. You're maybe the forest yes. barbarian. Or maybe you're the chaos barbarian. Yes, exactly. Wolves barbarians. Yeah, so it's definitely dark, though. So it's a beautiful aesthetic. Um, the only it's issue is the game is too expensive. expensive. But I think in the last few years, they've started doing more of them in metal rather than resin. So that they're more the cost, yeah. But I think that's a point that stops people from playing that game. I don't know about the rules either, honestly. 
yeah around long enough i think maybe at some point at some point technically you can just buy like we have so many models we could definitely play the game without actually buying the models maybe just buying some of the super sweet monsters Mm -hmm. uh but again there's so many games that's just on our list like this entire year of not being able to play new games has really put a damper on trying out these things Mm -hmm. yeah so there are other games out there that you can if you like this kind of grim dark aesthetic you can go and pick up um so make any more contrasts if we to uh, cyberpunk right now rather than going on for another episode because i don't think there's that much to contrast we've sort of already contrasted it as we went yeah just by talking about them by the both 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 things you kind of see the differences yeah, yeah. so i think technology you come up with your own as homework come up with the five top differences between cyberpunk and grimdark and how they're so different uh, i think we did mention that they are sisters right they're very close. Yeah, they're and and I think it's arguable that uh, cyberpunk is kind of a subgenre of grimdark. I think it, maybe not. I think that there is again, you could say that there are grimdark stories in. You can tell grimdark stories in a cyberpunk universe. Mm-hmm. Like featuring punks who who ray like you know who are very punk like, um, so you have the themes of punk, while also having the themes of no hope and uh, darkness and you know that kind of things. So I don't think those are antithetical to each other, right? So you can definitely have both in a story, and the cyberpunk universe can be, even though it's not necessarily your classic grim dark world where people are just shooting each other yeah but there's Um, usually an underclass and an above class in cyberpunk yes exactly and the cyberpunk but the punk portion the cyberpunk people are dealing with the underclass right Mm -hmm. which lends itself very heavily to yeah like getting shot by just a passing passerby who wants to mug you and take your cool uh cybernetic implants yeah, so if a story for a few really set within the underclass of a cyberpunk world, it could be sort of a grimdark setting, but yeah. like the entire world is not fully grimdark. Mm-hmm. Although you could argue it is, depending on how much you hate capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would but, argue, yes, but you know, if you're, I don't know, American or something. Or I guess the commentaries in cyberpunk, different. you have sort of the, the capitalist dystopia, and then in the in Grimdark, you have sort of the authoritarian dystopia where the they've created. A- That's another now. Don't get. Don't make me go political about how the capitalist dystopia is an authoritarian dystopia. It's just. I it's already just, did. It comes from a different source. It's just a different angle to get dystopia going. So. Uh, it's. It, it, it just is just labeled differently. It's like mm-hmm. literally, you could just swap them. I think the in power ways, it would be the same thing. The power angle just comes from somewhere else. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, so that's basically it. Um, I want to go, I guess the last thing I want to talk about is, so that's basically, you know, Grimdark. I think we went through a whole bunch about it. Games that you can play relations to cyberpunk. But the last thing I want to talk about is um, Warhammer 40,000 going back to you know the OG Grim Darkness. Have and what do you that? think, sorry? Have we dumped on 40K this podcast really hard? Not hard enough. That's why I want okay. to bring it back up. All right. So I, I think we've, we've mentioned that 
you know, I think you can hear maybe from the way we talk about it. We, we definitely are fans of, you know, the grim darkness of, of Warhammer 40,000 universe as we have known it in the past. Uh, what do you think about modern Warhammer 40,000? I can't comment too much on it because obviously they've done the Primaris angle where they're doing a bit of a revitalization of the world. Like where they, they've actually started creating new technology and all that. Mm-hmm. But I think it will work if they set it up for a fall. But if they keep making humanity look like it's the sort of only civilization that's sort of moving forward, mm-hmm. then it breaks that mold of everything being grimdark, which is it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep, I feel that's exactly what my feeling. Uh, I think it's not just... Um, I think it's not wrong to bring the Primaris in if they set them up for a fall. Like it could work really well. Like, oh, somebody's actually trying to get ahead in this world. Mm. Oh, it didn't work. <laughs> so I guess the idea is like, nothing is more soul crushing than having hope and then having that hope smashed. Exactly. It's more soul crushing to have hope and then have it be smashed than to have no hope at all to begin with. Exactly. The higher you fly, the, the harder you, you know, crash. Fall. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's true, but I do see a shift entirely in, partially in tone and world. And I do worry that this is I think there's probably I think part of it had to do I'm going to get a little bit, you know, social political um, of the uh, post Cold War. So so 40k happened started out in Cold War in the Thatcherite era. Um, things were not super good there's there's always the feeling of impending doom um so the entire idea of the grim darkness as satire kind of almost gives you some sort of catharsis right like any kind of dystopian kind of novel i assume that you're not looking to a dystopian world for notes unless you are a reader of Anne Rand. um but what happened is i think in my opinion is that people you know there was that period once you know the the America and its allies won the Cold War, um, where it, everything seemed bright and hopeful. Right, like whole, we thought whole, everything was going to work. Work. Nineties were right? pretty eerie. Yeah, like it was like you have this pop and you have this idea of everything is going to be working out better in, in the world, right? And so the the satire of the Imperium and and of that world, I think. It's just harder to see, not for everyone, obviously. I think most people still got it. But I think there was a large contingent of people who saw, who who didn't understand necessarily the themes of Warhammer 40,000 as they were before, right? As a, as a satirical dystopian that is applied to, that is like directly applicable in many ways to the society people have been living through. And so when they grew up, they didn't see 40k as like the dystopia being you know quintessential like the grim darkness being a quintessential portion of society and they started trying to make uh 40k like have heroes right mm-hmm. um and maybe it's just you know you know you, you have a different group of people you know they they wanted for they liked the space marine aesthetic they liked the, the models, which to be fair, they're good models for the time. Um, and so maybe they just didn't want Grimdark, 
right? And so they tried to apply this non-grimdarkness onto the world by making, oh, well, you know, it started off with, oh, you know, most of the Imperium of Man is, you know, grim, dark and bad and and they and space marines have no compunctions of uh, killing all life on uh, a planet in case their one demon would, would spawn from them. Yeah, yeah external uh, yeah. is on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always on the table to people saying, well, I want my space marines to actually be a little bit heroic. My space marines were the one chapter that disagreed with exterminatus and fought with, you know, the inquisitor that wanted it. And these are different than the other space Marines. They're noble and good space Marines. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's understandable. They're your space Marines. You want your guys to be good guys sometimes. Right. You don't always, especially if you, all you play is Warhammer 40,000, then sometimes you want to be a hero. So I feel like that kind of thing infected, you know, not infected. People wanted that. And I think Warhammer 40,000 resisted that for a long time, but eventually enough of those things broke through that people stopped seeing the grim darkness, like grim dark of the future. Like they stopped believing in it, right? They stopped accepting the idea that everyone is evil, even the Imperium of Man, right? Yeah, it could just be the themes that are now like in our culture just aren't like ours our society is not based around worries about the grim darkness coming to be. Mm-hmm. So just the, the things and the culture was not, I feel like it's definitely coming, come back in the past 10 years. Yep. So maybe we'll get some good new, good new grim, dark games. Grim dark worlds <laughs> of people <laughs> trying to get some sort of catharsis. Yeah. Those minds have turned to the potential for the grim dark. Whereas, yeah. so it could just be the reflection. Almost like a warning signal of where we could be headed. Right. Yeah, just the cultural mindset is shifting mm-hmm. and everything we've seen with the lack of grimdark games for the last 20 years has been sort of just a cultural reflection. Yeah, I don't know. That's 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 a theory, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I do feel like it infected all of 40K and now like you have good factions, like good portions of, of races all over the place and hope all over the place. Like mm-hmm. one of the things the Eldar is that it's supposed to be, you know, they're, they're elves. So they have, they have this aesthetic of being doomed forever to be slowly, eventually, inevitably consumed by this demon God that they spawned from their souls. Right. That's, that was their theme at the beginning. Right. That's definitely grimdark. Right. They're fighting again, a losing battle of the, them eventually dying to be eaten by uh, this demon God. Um, but they then, created hope by saying actually instead all these elder have decided to create a good god to fight the evil god right and now you have these entire groups of of eldar who have hope now and who are fighting for hope and it's it was a major plot line you know what where they birthed it's not just that they it was not just like a a whisper now it's literally canon and this god has basically been birthed and has an avatar you know what I'm going to go with the same line as the Primaris. If, if it all just goes wrong eventually, like once our culture is like, oh, shit can go really wrong. They're just yeah. like, all right, this whole good buildup we did. That I'll is, oh, you. that would be so dark that they literally birthed the good God that they were hoping for all this time. And they brought all their souls. And then Slanish goes and eats that God. Or it goes and eats Slanish and just takes his place on the throne. 
Oh, and it turns out to be evil. It eats Slanish, but then gets reverse eaten and turns into Slanish. Yeah. I don't think it can be, it can't be a new god. It has to be Slanesh winning. That's the Grimdark idea. So it's like, it could eat Slanesh and then it literally turns into Slanesh uh-huh. because it's in so many of these evil souls, right? Oh, yeah. That would be cool. What's the line about the king? Uh, the king is dead, long live the king. There you go. Yeah. That would That would be dark. I know. It would be, it would be the right <laughs> thing to do, but as we know, GW doesn't all rarely does the right thing. And there is our knock on GW for the day. All right, so I think it's time to wrap that up with our knock of GW, um, uh, a wrap up of Grimdark, and we managed to fit in uh, Grimdark uh, versus Cyberpunk. So uh, I think this will just be a two parter. Um, if you have any thoughts about Grimdark, if you if you have a game that that's Grimdark that we didn't mention, uh, give us a shout. We'll we'll definitely look it up and try to play it as soon as this um, <laughs> this pandemic, this grim darkness of the real world has let up. Um, yeah, we'll we'll try to check it out and play it. Uh, you can contact us at contact at diceovereverything.com or find us on the Facebook group at uh, Dice Over Everything Group. Yep, come check us out. All right, this has been Alan. It's from Brandon. Bye.